Greetings. Welcome to episode 5.8. What have I learned this week in podcasting? Nothing. Well, I learned that being quarantined with three teenage boys really disrupts my creative thinking. Thank God for cell phones or I'd have no clue what day it is at this point. Working from home has made me realize that VPNs and RDSs just give me RBF. I've started referring to my dogs as my co-workers, and if HR knew all the places they lick while they're on the clock, they'd have a major scandal on their hands. Things have been rough recently. I can't really complain because people in third world countries still have it rougher than I could ever imagine. I'm thankful that I was raised by utilitarians and survivors of the Great Depression. I know what to do, and I know how to get through this, physically and mentally at least, but not emotionally. I'm thankful for my time spent in commercial kitchens to know how to efficiently rotate food and minimize waste. Although, thinking about everything now, I regret how wasteful I have been in the past before the world went completely nuts over a head cold. I'm thankful for my deep freezer and my spare mini-fridge. I can't imagine trying to stay stocked up without them. I'm thankful for my French press and my milk frother because the basic white bitch inside of me is not crying without her specialty coffee. Thank God it's not winter, or I would have built an igloo out back by now. What am I feeling today? Tired, emotionally drained, and pretty much on autopilot because no one knows where next week will lead us. I wish people would have known about washing their hands prior to this pandemic, but then I realized not everyone lives a life with a slight case of germophobia like me. Not everyone has spent a decade in kitchens where serve safe is survival. When you've got allergies and you're on the hotline during a dinner rush, you better believe you sneeze into your arm because you don't have time to rush over to the nearest sink and re-scrub the hands. When you live with three disgusting boys, everything is sticky and everything grosses you out. Please, wash your hands like you've never washed them before because chances are you haven't. Things that I've been recently hearing about that make my head spin are what temperature should we be cooking our food to kill off the Rona? Have you forgotten about Salmonella, E. coli, Listeria, Staphylococcus? What about Shigella? (laughs) How about Toxoplasma gondii? That's a fun one. I've personally conquered a parasite that left me shitting and dry heaving for days on end. 
I've experienced salmonella to the point that I've been vomiting in my sleep, but never have I caught a cold from food itself. Please, cook your poultry to 165 degrees, your fish to 155, and as long as you're not a pussy, you can still eat your medium-rare steak at 145 degrees, but please fucking let it rest for at least 10 minutes before you cut into the damn thing. My heart goes out to the Department of Health in PA because they've been receiving questions about surrendering their dogs because they think they can catch the Rona. Please, drop your dogs at my place. They don't deserve a pet parent like you that would toss them out like a used tissue. Is your dog going to Walmart and licking all the credit card machines? If a dog in air quotes could catch the virus, it's because you're a moron for not washing your hands before you touch them. Fuck the rats. 2020 is the year of the dog. Everything revolves around them now. They're the sole source of sanity left in our household, and they are the fucking best at being my co-workers. Shout out to my crew, Lady, Comet, Bella, whoop whoop. How have I been surviving so far? It's in my blood. As a lesbian, we are built for survival. We thrive in times of crisis. We are the helpers of all who are in need, and we want to do whatever we can to be of assistance. I think it's time that I let you guys know about the Lesbian Survival Guidelines. Step 1. No matter how fucked up shit is, make it work and get through it. Step 2. Duct tape zip ties, and Velcro cable straps are key to lesbian MacGyvering. Step three, know your weapon options. This doesn't mean go out and purchase an entire armory, but keep a mental record of where that lead bat is and keep your kitchen knives sharp. I also have some fun tools that could really fuck a face up if needed. Step four, gather and organize supplies. Everything needed to keep a household running needs to be inventoried and monitored. Toilet paper, tampons, food, gasoline, marijuana, what? Step five, be crafty in all scenarios. Step six, improve your living conditions as you go and save the special things. Do not be a glutton in the first few weeks of hunkering down. I have two beautiful sirloins and two beautiful ahi tuna steaks buried in the freezer for my birthday because I will not eat fucking meatballs and mac and cheese as my celebratory meal. Step seven, sweatpants help you think. Enough said on that one. Step eight, learn how to garden, but only grow things you will actually consume. Now is not a time to grow 80 different types of herbs because it makes you feel like a connoisseur. Grow potatoes, legumes, small fruits, and tomatoes. Maybe a jalapeno bush if you like to live life spicily. Step nine, pace yourself. As soon as you're worn down is when you start becoming lazy and stop focusing on rations and survival tactics. Step 10, know how to create fire. Fire's relaxing. Fire brings people together. Fire also feeds, and fire also contributes heat, obviously. But before you attempt to start a fire, please consult your local Smokey the Bear. 
Step 11, take time for yourself, by yourself. I don't feel like I need to explain this one, but if you're constantly in a house with four other people, the ambient noise will eventually make your brain seize out. It's scientifically proven. Step 12, have dogs. They're great. They also bark at a fart in the wind, so you know as soon as someone steps foot on your lawn. My three alarms will start sounding, but it might be a squirrel, so at least I know they're working. Step 13. This will sound like the most selfish step, but it's crucial. Hide shit from other people. Don't hide it for your own selfish greed, but hide it because other people might not live by this survival guide. And when you're out of food because they've gorged all week without thinking, you have the backup. Plus, I love to hide shit from myself because when I find it, I pat myself on the back. Step 14. Be computer savvy. Stay informed without gluing yourself to a television. Know how to get access to resources and information without having to call around. Step 15. Be MacGyver savvy. As stated in step two, lesbian MacGyvery is crucial. This is where step 14 also comes into play because if you don't know how to fix a component, look it up, then MacGyver it. Step 16, be food savvy. Learn how to pair the rations you've got and always keep the seasoning cabinet full. I believe that week seven of this quarantine will be like a survival episode of Chopped and I will win this challenge. Step 17, delegate tasks to avoid overexertion. This ties closely to step nine because if you don't pace yourself, you'll crumble. Teenagers have strong backs, and they have better lungs. Use them like workhorses so you don't end up spending the entire day under a heating pad smelling like Ben Gay. You'll thank me later for this one. Step 18. Do not run out of medication. Those of you with mental health issues, myself included, do not skip a dose. Now is the time for those SSRIs to do their fucking job. Keep it together, Carol. You can do this. Step 19. Save the ends of the bread loaf. Don't fucking feed it to the birds because there's a lot you can do with those two extra slices. And step 20. Do your best to maintain a sense of normalcy. Throughout all of these survival tactics, we need to keep the rest of our household calm, entertained, and fed. As much as the kids drive me nuts, I don't want this point in time to become a traumatic life experience that they harbor for the rest of their lives. In the midst of this time, I have spent a lot of hours cleaning out drawers, organizing, and downsizing things in my life. I came across a notebook with some scribblings from when I had first married my wife and stepped up as a parent to these children. I think it's a good note to end this episode on because it reminds me of why I'm still here. It reminds me of why I put up with all of their shit, and it reminds me of how they changed my life. In the beginning, most people thought I was absolutely crazy. I was dating a woman with three full-blooded boys and an ex-husband who was willingly living in her attic. 
A few months later, I packed up my dog lady and moved in with them. At the time, I had no job, so the kids and the house became my responsibility. I sucked really badly at one of those tasks, and it wasn't the boys. My first week of officially living there was Christmas week, and after seven straight days with the Three Stooges, I was ready to check into a real nut house. But as difficult as they were, they still made me laugh, and I still wanted to be with them. That's when I realized I loved them, and they'd be my kids. I found that if I got on their level and joked around, they absolutely soaked it up. The fact that I look like I'm 16 and I dress like I'm 12, they love me on a whole different level. Although they've learned over time that I can be their best friend, I can also be their worst nightmare. When they're out of line, they know I mean business and could bust out my crazy side. Once. Julian was chucking his shoes at Lucas, and I told him, if you don't knock that off, I'm going to shove that shoe up your ass sideways. Julian tries to be a tough guy, so he dared me to do it. Without even skipping a beat, I grabbed his dirty tennis shoe and shoved it right in his shorts. Julian screamed, oh my god, she's doing it, all the while trying not to laugh because he's so amused. I asked, do you want me to go any further, Julian? because I don't want to back down from Adair unless you say so. He agreed to chill out, and no butts or shoes were harmed, although he kept it in his underwear for about an hour after it was all over. I'm not sure if he forgot about it or if he liked the way it felt on his tushy. It was just, it was weird. When it comes to butts, tushes, farts, and poop, the boys are highly amused. Which is common. I mean, come on, it's not hard to giggle when any sort of rear-end context comes up in conversation. Lucas loves wedgies. Which is very strange because I remember wedgies and they were never laughable. Every time Luke would be running around in his underwear, which was and still to this day often, I'd somehow end up having to give him the atomic wedgie. A wedgie so bad that his feet would be off the ground and his cheeks would get a major butt flossing from his transformer underwear. Wow, I didn't finish reading this. <laughs> I will never understand why he was so amused. I mean, everyone else definitely was amused and I understand that. There's a lot of good stuff in here, guys. Ooh, I made a list quotes that have been said over time with the boys. You shit it, you shut it. Respect your mother, or I'll beat you with my flip-flop. If you don't want them to have it, make it disappear. Put their friends in charge. Tell them to keep them in line. Let them fight. That's their punishment, and my hands keep clean. I don't hover. I let them go off and see if they can survive. Break check your children if you don't think they're wearing their seatbelts. There is no right way to parent, but you gotta keep them on their toes and keep control. Don't forget to use funny voices. Well, I hope you enjoyed 5.8, and until next time, stay safe out there, and don't touch your face. <laughs>